0: If you guys will, go ahead and take your copy of God's Word and turn over to the Old Testament. Uh, For those of you that might not have been here last week, we started a a new series on the 23rd Psalm, and so we're going to be taking a closer look at that over the next couple weeks, and I hope that as we preach and teach and uh, just share what the Lord is showing me as I I study, that it'll help us all take a closer look at something that's so familiar to many of us. I want to review last week and just kind, of, uh, just kind of hit a couple highlights as we go into this week. First off, we looked at verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. One of the key themes that we talked about last week was contentment right and and we ask the question of lord you know help me to be content in blank and that we were to fill in that blank and just begin to pray that and pray that he would help us to be content in that area we also talked about as we looked as the word by is circled that we talked about how he is a personal shepherd not only that is he's a protecting and a providing shepherd last week uh, one of our key takeaways was this That it's one thing to know the scripture, it's another thing to know the Savior, right? I mean, that's where a lot of people are in our churches today, is they have the head knowledge, they know about Jesus... They, they may know about his word, but do they know him? Do they have that personal relationship with him? Are they trying to do their lives on their own, or is he indeed Lord of their lives? Is he the one that is, is the ruler and the reigner, the master of their lives, helping them through their day-to-day activities? And so this week we'll continue in our study, and let's look at Psalm 23, verse 2 very simply says, he makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. One of the things I would encourage you as we go through this study is just like I've been taking a verse each week, take the verse that we're studying and just build on itself, right? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Some of you can probably recite that verbatim and praise the Lord, but maybe not. Just start here and each week take that portion of that verse and begin to uh, just allow it to uh, marinate, to to resonate in your life. So as we did last week, let's take a deeper look at verse 2. And so one of the things that you'll see is this is kind of called an inductive Bible study. This is one of the ways that I study as I sit down with Scripture. It's not always uh, in a linear pattern as as I'm preaching and teaching this morning, right? Because as y'all know, I have a touch of ADHD. So I try to kind of bring things and, and ask the Lord to give me clarity as I'm preparing so that there's Uh, there's a flow, right? That I'm not just jumping from here to there and yonder. And so he makes me lie down. Again, we see in verse two, we see me. He makes me lie down. That speaks of that personal relationship that he is guiding you. You know, what's interesting about this particular verse is this, that uh, the ESV translates it as makes me King James is similar. The Christian standard, the New Living Translation, the Amplified Version says that he lets me lie down. As, as I thought about this verse this morning, I thought about, and, and I go back to this a lot because it is one of those kind of uh, turning points in my life. When I had COVID, the my life, my routine, my rhythms they stopped right and in that process i literally had to lie down i don't think that that's coincidence right i've heard of pastor friends saying that one of one of my pastor friends had some heart issues and had some other health issues and he was like it took those health issues for the lord to help me to see that i needed to slow down that maybe i needed to take some things off of my plate. And so I would submit to you this morning that for me, sometimes I think he makes us lie down, right? That he wants to get us out of that rhythm, out of that routine. Cause there were many a day while I was sick that I could just, all I could do was just lay there on my back and just whisper prayers to the Lord for my, for my health, that he would protect my family. And then when my wife got it, that I was, I was praying fervently for her, So he makes us lie down. What's interesting here this morning is, as we look at Psalm 23, David is writing about Christ to Christians, and he himself is a shepherd, but he also knew how to be a sheep. And so we see as we talked about last week as well that you know one of the interesting things about something like Psalm 23 is that we see this imagery. We see these things used in scripture and we're so far removed from them. I asked in both services last week, how many of you have sheep? And not a single person in either service has any sheep. So as we as we talk about what it means to be sheep that that implication is for us. We are the sheep. He is the shepherd. Amen? And so we need to understand that relationship. We need to understand some things about ourselves. And so what's interesting here about he makes me lie down, listen, lying down implies that sheep are free from several things. Right? A sheep is not going to lie down unless he's free or she is free from several things. The first and foremost being fear. We're we're really going to kind of hunker down this morning on this notion of fear. This is where I feel like the Lord had me camp out this week. But I also want you to see as I studied that lying down implies that sheep are free from friction. Not only, you know, if they're afraid, they're they're not going to lie down. If there's friction within the flock, they're restless. They don't want to lie down. Um, Third is flies. I'm thankful for the story that I heard about flies last week after the service that those flies and those pesticides would would burr down through the wool and, and get into the skin and the shepherd would have to get them out and then he would take them by the water and he would basically dunk them under the water, hold them under the water with his staff. He'd bring them back up, let them get some air, and he'd do it again. Sometimes in our lives we have to go through some painful experiences for the Lord to rid us of things that do not need to be in our lives. So lying down implies that are free from fear, friction, flies, and then hunger. So as you just read this verse, he makes me lie down. Those things have to be met. And a lot of you, me included, a lot of times we're restless and it's hard for us to lie down. It's hard for us to be still because there's that free fear. There's that friction. There are those flies and and things that are are just nagging away at us in our lives. And so one thing I want to remind you today is this. Fear is normal. Fear is normal. Every time we see in Scripture when the angels come and they, they approach someone, what do they say? Fear not. Scripture tells us what? Fear not for what? I am with you. So fear is normal. So if we're going to talk this morning about fear, what is fear? Fear is this. Fear is an unpleasant, often strong emotion. And I want to stop right there, and I kind of broke this definition in two. Yeah, sometimes it's unpleasant. But look at that key word at the end of that that second sentence, emotions. Sometimes we let our emotions get the best of us. We make decisions in the spur of the moment that are not the decisions that we need to make long term. We cannot get wrapped up in our emotions. So, fear is an unpleasant, often strong emotion caused by an anticipation or an awareness of danger. Not all fear is bad, amen? But fear is normal. You know, as I think this morning about people that I've had the privilege of having conversations with, there are many people walking amongst us today. See, you can come to church and you can act like you have it all together and you can look like you have it all together, but inside you are torn apart. You are restless. You're not still because there's fear. There's that anxiety. And I'm here to tell you this morning that fear, that anxiety is normal. Don't, senior, precious senior saints of Bethel Baptist Church, do not do what some people have the habit of doing. When some people are dealing with anxiety and worry, you know, some people say, well, you need to look at what sin is in your life. You know what, friends, there are, there are medical things that accompany that. And we need to remember that, as I have told you in the last couple of weeks, it's what the church doesn't talk about that its people struggle with the most. There are people, I, I've worked with a young lady. She's since moved on and uh, working somewhere else. But I worked with her, and her anxiety was so bad that she had a panic attack, and she just had to leave work. And I, I just, my heart broke for her that she was struggling with that. Now chick-fil-a is a pretty stressful environment amen we we move at an unbelievable pace and and we do our team does some pretty awesome things every day it just amazes me when i when I look back on the day or I look back on a shift of what we've done but for her, that anxiety was real so don't look at somebody and just look at them and say, "Well, what sins in your life you need to rid that sin sure that sin might exist, but there are also other things as well that could be playing a part of that. So, we don't need to marginalize that. We just need to walk alongside of them to pray for them to love and to encourage them and pray that God would help them to get the need the help that they need. Here's something I wrote this week. Fear, if we allow it, will keep us from following Jesus. Right? Fear, if we allow it, will keep us from following Jesus, will keep us from living out God's plan for our lives. Friends, we have to do, as as we talked about in in a recent message, and now I'm drawing a blank, and I was the one that preached it. (laughs) But recently we talked about, oh, Ruth and Naomi, and how what? She had to step into the fear, into the unknown, and she had to trust the Lord. Because if you're going to wait on everything to be good, everything to be well, everything to be kosher, you're just going to stay still. You're just going to wither away. But God is calling us to something greater. He's calling us to greater good that that the kingdom of heaven might be on earth as it is in heaven. Right? That's what he's calling us to do. He's calling us to be his hands and his feet. So this morning, if we allow fear... If we, if fear, if we allow it, will keep us from following Jesus. So we we'll have to ask the question, so what do we do with fear? I think this is what we do with fear, that we must acknowledge fear and give it back to the Lord. Father, I, I, I'm afraid. I, I don't know what's going to happen. Like our friend, she found out that she had thyroid cancer. Can you imagine? She's probably pretty afraid. Amen. She's probably pretty Fearful. But we pass along verses of scripture to her. We, we let her know that we were praying for her. Another young lady that's walking through a valley right now that I know, you know, she shared something with me this week. She talked about how, and I don't remember it, I wrote it down in, in, my, in my journal, and she just said, look, I, I have a peace because I know that people are praying for me and that people care for me and that the Lord is in control. We must acknowledge fear and give it back to the Lord. So a few years ago, I was at a preaching conference. I enjoy going to those. Um, You guys struggle. Some of y'all struggle to stay awake for, you know, 35 minutes as I preach and teach. Imagine going to a conference where there's about 17 sermons in two and a half days, right? Like it is physically and mentally exhausting, but I love it. I love to hear the word of God preached and taught. And I love to hear other expositors. And so at one conference that I was at, as I sat out in the crowd, whatever was going on in my life at the moment, I penned these words in my notebook. This is actually a photo of my notes. Fret not, flee not, fear not. Fret not, flee not, fear not. We've already defined fear as being a strong emotion caused by the uh, anticipation or awareness of danger. So what does it mean to fret? I'm glad you asked. I want to remind you. To fret means this, to eat away or gnaw into, to cause to suffer emotional strain or worry. How many of you, I'm not asked for a show of hands, be interesting if we did. Maybe it might do the Baptist thing, ask you to close all your eyes, and then we'll get you to raise your hand, nobody look around, then we'll get a true poll. But worry. I wonder how many of you this morning deal with worry. What do we do? What are we supposed to do with fear? What are we supposed to do with worry? Give it back to God. Give it to Him and ask for His strength and for His will to be done for him to work. When people work, people work. But when people pray, God works. Amen? So we need to be a praying people. When there are situations, you know what? I'll admit it. When we get in the middle of things, what do we do? We just make a mess or we make a bigger mess. So sometimes we just need to step back and we need to begin to pray for that situation. We need to pray for what's going on in those folks' lives. So fret not, flee not, Fear not in that in that pew, just as i I don't even can't even tell you anything else that was going on, but all I know is I began to ponder, I began to process what this meant like, and so what this phrase meant, and so I wrote out some statements, and so here this morning, these are the statements that I wrote out, fret not, you know what, friends, fretting, worrying is contagious. Now, I had the chief nursing officer at Toomey. She busted my bubble one time. She said, everything's contagious. (laughs) Well, I guess it could be. But fretting and worrying is contagious, right? The other statement that I love, nugget of wisdom, is this, that calm is contagious. As we talk about sheep, and they have this mob mentality, the mob is not always right, are they? Was the mob right when it came to Jesus and Pilate and releasing him? They'd rather have the the murderer and insurrectionist than they would Jesus. Were they right? No, they were wrong. So fretting is contagious. Flee not. What will we miss by moving too soon? Lucius said the blessing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can I tell you one thing? I, I was encouraged of as I was in youth ministry is we have to be very careful what we pray with other people. You you might have a friend, you might have a a child, a, a niece, a nephew, a co-worker. They're going through something. You, you better be careful what you pray. And you better be careful what you say to them as well, because you know what? God might have them exactly where he wants them so that they may realize that they have to depend on him and not themselves. Do not give them a false sense of hope, right? Yeah, it's not fun to go through the valley, but sometimes we have to go through the valley. Why? Because the valley makes us aware of who our help comes from, who we're to trust in, not ourselves. But it's also in the valley that we're forged, that our faith is strengthened, that our endurance is made strong. You know, for me personally, I'll just be really transparent for a moment. Fret not, flee not, fear not. This middle statement. For many of you this morning, when there's conflict and there's unrest and there's discord, what's your tendency that you want to do? Flee. Mine too. Now, it depends on what's going on. Sometimes I'll buck up, I'll I'll speak up. That's my personality. But flee not. What will we miss by moving too soon? For me in ministry, I've had to wrestle with that question oh so many times. One of the last pastors I was in, I began to pray and I asked the Lord, Lord, have I taken this, this church, have I taken this body of believers as far as I can take them? And I just began to pray, and I said, Lord, I don't want to make a decision for 40 days. You know, that's biblical. We're going to do something for 40 days. And so I began to just pray. I began to process. I began to journal. I began to have conversations with those people close to me, and I was wrestling with that. Flee not. What will we miss by moving too soon? See, sometimes we're not meant to flee. We're meant to persevere. We're meant to to go Not alone, but to go with him by our sides, through those valleys, through those twists and turns, so that he can show us that he's in control and we're not. And then fear not. Man, that's that's easy to say, but hard to live out, amen? Fret not, flee not, fear not. You know, this morning as I think about this statement, as I think about Fears. I think about. He makes me lie down, and that there must be freedom. There must be, uh, you know, from fear and friction, flies and hunger. As I thought about fear, I thought about this lady right here. Any of you, lady? Any of you folks know who this lady is? Corey Timboon. For those of you that may not know anything about Corey Timboon, let me tell you a little bit about her. So she and her family helped save nearly 800 Jews during the Holocaust. They hid them. She was eventually arrested. She was imprisoned herself, and she was sent to a concentration camp. Just days before her release, her sister Betsy died there. Corey was inspired by her sister Betsy's example of selfless love and forgiveness. Amid, listen, amid extreme cruelty and persecution. And it was there, out of that persecution, out of that fire, out of that trial, out of that valley, that she established a home for survivors to recover from the horrors that they had escaped. And what's beautiful about Corey Ten Boom is that she went on to travel as a missionary preaching God's forgiveness and the need of reconciliation. For someone who saw and had a heart and helped save those people, she also experienced her herself. Her sister died in a concentration camp and she didn't say, woe is me. She didn't say, I'm going to be afraid. She stepped into the fear. She stepped into the unknown. And she began preaching and teaching about the forgiveness and the need of reconciliation. Do you think that was easy? No. And so why do I share this story about Corey Ten Boom? Because when I think about fear and when I think about worry, she has a nugget of wisdom that I'm sure you've heard, and it goes like this. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Think about her life. Think about her testimony. Think about all that she went through. All that she experienced, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow, it empties today of its strength. We know that. Some of you may know that. Some of you are writing it down now, and it may encourage you, but here's what I love. It's just like with Scripture, and not, I don't know, I don't want to make an unfair comparison or uh, here, but listen, just like with Scripture, we love to pluck things out. We, lo- we love to take a portion of a verse or, or take this quote, but do we really know what was said in the context? And I didn't. I'd heard this quote before, but as I began to just research and, and study and kind of try to understand a little bit more about her life, she went on to say this when it comes to worry it does not enable us to escape evil, it makes us unfit to face evil when it comes. It is the interest you pay on trouble before it comes. So friends, if you struggle with worry, I'm not here this morning to beat you up. I'm here this morning to remind you to look up. Amen. I'm here this morning to remind you that you're not alone, that it's okay that fear and worry are normal, but it's what you do with that fear. It's what you do with that worry that matters the most. All right, time is nigh. Let's go. All right, so that's that's the first little chunk of verse 2. Now let's look. He makes me lie down in green pastures. It, you know, what's interesting is not only do they lie down in pastures, but as you see as I'm calling your attention, he, he makes them to lay down in green pastures. Not just any old pastures, but green pastures. And what's interesting about Israel is that there were few and far between green pastures. Israel is full of dry, rocky, rolling hills covered with sparse and tough grass. But our Heavenly Father, He makes us, He lets us. Let's think about that for a minute. As we think about this context of that green pasture, He lets us lie down. It is, is, uh, not, as Ruth said, why have I found favor in your sight? I don't deserve this. You're right, you don't. He lets you lie down in green pastures. Next, let's look at the last half of verse 2. He leads me beside still waters he leads me. So what is it that a shepherd does? He leads. So can I go to the next slide? So again as you're studying this as we're taking a deeper dive and we're taking it verse by verse, portion by portion and just allowing God to look at, allowing the Lord to the spirit to stir within our hearts. Look at look at as this is verse 1 and 2. My me me, right? What does he do? We won't want. He lets me. He he allows me. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. And then look, he leads me. Why? Because he's the shepherd. That's what shepherds are supposed to do. He's personal, protecting, providing. That's what he does. He leads me beside still waters. Skip ahead one more. You know what's interesting is you read this this morning, so not only does a sheep have to be fear uh, uh free of fear he he he's not going to drink from rolling rushing waters and so what the shepherd does is he finds those still waters to lead them beside that they may drink that they may be refreshed. As we think about these green pastures and these still waters, the thing about this is we said in Israel that green pastures are few and far between. The key word that came up for me is that they had to be cultivated. It had to be tended. It had to be plowed up. It had to be prepared. Scripture tells us what? That he's preparing a place for us. He is indeed. He's allowing us to be to be in those green pastures. And he's leading us beside still waters. You know, Pastor Austin read this morning from what he was reading about worship. And that's the thing I love about our friendship and our partnership is, is we've been in ministry here these last few months is that we're sharpening each other right? That we're not, we're not doing as, as Oddwall's chamber says, we're, we're really trying to live that out that don't live on your memories of past experience, but always allow the word of God to be living and active in you. What is God doing here and now? What I'm not worried about. And and we could talk about, we could praise him, but what God's done in the past at some of the past stops that he and I've both made. But what is God doing right here, right now at Bethel? What is Christ doing in my life and in my family? What is he doing in your family. We want to celebrate that. We want not in so times to be celebrated, but there's also times that we want to walk and we want to be an encourager. We want to be a hand to hold or a shoulder to lean on to be able to go walk with you through that valley. And so we both continue to try to learn and grow and we're reading scripture and we're diving deeper and we're reading other great Christian men and women that are sharpening us. And so one of the things that I read this week was this question. And I close with this. How do you know if Jesus is your shepherd? How do you know if Jesus is your shepherd? This is a a two-part question. And so we must ask ourselves two questions. Jesus says in John 10, 27, My sheep hear my voice. So, the first question that I want to ask you, the first test of is he your shepherd, is this? Do you listen to his word? And are you listening for his voice? The sheep hear my voice. Are you listening to his word? Are you listening to and for his voice? Secondly, that verse. John chapter 10, as Jesus is speaking, he says, My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. Friends, do you do what he says? Are you listening for his voice? Do you hear his voice? And are you doing what he says? Are you living a life of obedience? Because you know what, I, I could be guilty of this too, but if we come to church week in and week out and we study and we listen to preaching and teaching like this, are we living it out? We, friends, we don't need any more head knowledge, amen? We, we need that head knowledge to transfer into our hearts and then into our hands, He's called us to be his hands and to be his feet. Some of us he's called to be his mouthpiece. All of us, really, he's called to be his mouthpiece. So are you listening to his word? Are you listening for his voice? And are you doing what it says? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for David's words that he penned. Father, I thank you that the shepherd knew that he was a sheep, and he knew how to follow. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us to follow you, that you would help us to uh, learn how to trust you, that we would listen to your voice, that still, small voice, Lord, and that as you speak, that we would be obedient. Father, help us to step in to the fear and the unknown, as Ruth did, and to trust you in all-knowing, ever-present God that you are in control of our lives and of this church. And, Father, our goal, our mission should be to follow you as we sing in the old hymn, Father, wherever you lead, we may go. And so, Father, I pray now for those under the sound of my voice, Lord, that they would realize that, that you're, you're there with them, and the worrying and fretting that they have in their lives is, is not strengthening them, but it's emptying today of its strength. And Father, the goal that you have set out for us to make a difference, a goal that you have for us to know you more and to know you better. Father, help us to shift from knowing about you in our heads to experiencing you in our hearts, that it may change our hands, may change our mouths to honor, and to glorify you. Father, we ask as we continue to go through this series that you help us to just sit down and to marinate, to meditate on what it means to be a sheep following the good, great shepherd. Father, we thank you and we love you. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.